Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Well, good morning and welcome everybody to this conversation. You've got to already see him a little bit and hear him uh, share some of his own poetry as well as the Mary Oliver poem. But we are thrilled to have with us this morning, Joe Davis. Joe, welcome. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so we're so excited to get to know you and to, you know, hear a little more of your work here this morning. So thank you for being here. Um, You know, as we're kind of wanting to get to know you a little bit, I'm just so curious about what it is like to be a spoken word poet and artist and activist and all these different components that are a part of who you are and this calling that you have. Uh, I, I don't really know exactly what it was like pre-pandemic, and I can only imagine what it's like now in this last year where uh, everything has been turned upside down. I mean, so many of the gatherings that would have been a part of your everyday, every week life at least um, are different now. So maybe just kind of start off by letting us know, what are you up to these days? What is what does a day in the life or a week in the life of Joe Davis look like these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as you said, you know, all those, all those things you listed are, are very much a part of like who I am, part of my identity. I, I say I'm a man of many hats, literally yeah. and metaphorically. <laughs> Yeah. And so, um, you know, at pre-pandemic, I, I was touring pretty regularly. I would travel all across the country to different, you know, schools, universities, community spaces, churches, and I would either speak or I'd be doing a creative writing, a performance workshop, or I'd be performing poetry. And then when the pandemic really hit hard and we went into quarantine, shelter in place, I had a, a flood of cancellations in my inbox. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my goodness, like, like what am I gonna do? Like this is this is my livelihood. I've I've been in, in the gig economy for like a decade now, um, and I didn't have any gigs, <laughs> and so I, I I did have a moment where I was like kind of freaking out, and I didn't know what was next. But um, I really am indebted to the community, and I just thank God that I I have these relationships with folks, with people like you, right? Who who still are saying, hey, we we appreciate the poetry, we appreciate the art, and we. We, we're still doing things. We're still connecting with people online, virtually, right? And so I did have teachers and, and pastors and, and just friends and folks I know throughout the community who are saying, hey, we still would love to work with you. And so I'm really grateful for that. I've been able to do what I love just the same. Uh, it's just on a different platform now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's what I'm curious about, Mr. Joe Davis. Um, uh Creative individuals, I th- I'm curious about where, how you got to where you're at, especially as a spoken word poet, but I, I'm curious also where you got, how you got to where you're at now with the activism and the speaking and the teaching kind of thing too. 
But I think a lot of a lot of creative people, you know, we begin our lives thinking we have to do something practical. You know, we have to be a doctor or you know a fireman, whatever. But there's this transition that we experienced into the creative way of doing things. What was that process for you? Beginning, you know, realizing that you're good at this to deciding then to do it, to bring in your income and to, you know, kind of live into your calling, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely considered it a calling because uh, it kept it kept calling me whether or not I wanted to pick up yes. right away, right? Um, yes. You all know that how that goes with your vacation, with when God has a call in your life. But even as a little kid, it was already there. It was already present. Um, I, I was a very imaginative kid, very playful and creative kid. I would always be um, in my room, like coming up with with stories, playing make believe and, and dancing. And I was even in, in school, I was the kid in the back of the class drawing like funny pictures of my teachers. I would do caricatures and comic strips and I would write these little love letters to my schoolyard crush. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was a part of my upbringing as a child and my parents. Uh, thankfully, they fostered that and they encouraged that and they gave me the space to just just live more fully into that. And so um, I'm grateful for that. I never knew, though, as a kid, I never knew that I could actually do that as a career. Yeah. <laughs> like that never occurred to me. I was just doing what I loved, uh, following my, my passion. Um, but it wasn't until I had some really influential teachers and mentors in my life who said, hey, you're, you're a strong writer. You're a strong story storyteller. You should share this with the group. And at first, I was kind of shy and kind of hesitant because I didn't know what the response was going to be with, with me sharing my inner, innermost, like vulnerable feelings and, and things that I had crafted just for myself or, or just for play and fun. Or, and some of it was really intimate and, and, and like talked about uh, my, my struggles, right? But ultimately, what happened when I shared, people related to it and they connected to it. And I felt like there were some times when even... Um, I wasn't aware of the time, but I would almost give other people permission to be vulnerable and give other people permission to go deep and to share. And then when I saw them do it, I was like, oh, wow, that that wasn't so scary. That didn't look so bad. Maybe I can do this more. And so I began to share more and more and more and realize that for, for me, I always say that art helps us feel less alone and more alive. Hmm. And that's what it did for me. And so... Um, at that point in time, it didn't matter whether it was as a career or in what capacity. I just had to. I just had to do it. So, did you have any uh, any mentors that, or like people that you saw, kind of leading the example for you to kind of mimic or imitate at first, or did you feel like you had to kind of come up with your own way of doing things? I, I would. I would actually say a little bit of both. So as as a young artist, like when I was first coming up, I didn't see a lot of professional artists who were doing this full time. Um, and so I, I was just kind of reaching. I would read lots of books. I, I would watch like stuff on YouTube, interviews, and, and just like study other artists and authors and, and speakers and poets that I admired. Um, and so there was a lot of searching and a lot of self-discovery, even learning what, what, I, what tools and practices I already had to like unearth within my own self. But then I did meet some really amazing mentors throughout my life. I, I definitely got a shout out, like who, who now is one of my best friends, uh, David Shear. A lot of people know him as Agape. Uh, he invited me to go on tour with him uh, like over a decade ago now, I want to say. And I would just like do poetry in between sets. And then we started to actually write songs together and start to, 
tell stories together. We would be touring on the road and we just formed a really great friendship. And so now we like do everything together, <laughs> right? But, oh, but um, he, he's definitely been a big influence. Um, and then I think about just pastors, like, uh, you know, I'm sure we were going to eventually talk about Lutheran campus ministry somewhere in this conversation, but uh, yeah. And so the reason why I'm even Lutheran is because of a, a pastor uh, through Lutheran campus ministry. And they were really influential in me, uh, you know, speaking in front of people, inviting me to be what they call a peer minister, where I would help organize the ministry events on campus, but I would also like lead Bible study and lead different events we had. And I never knew that I could even do that sort of thing until they invited me to do it and I kind of pulled pulled that out of me, saw that potential. I always I always say when there's when there's good teachers and good mentors and they see potential in somebody, they're not they're not gonna give up. They're gonna keep like pulling it out of them and gently nudging. And that's what I that's what I needed because like sometimes I didn't even know what I was capable of, what I had the potential to actually do and to lead. But but I'm super grateful for those people in my life who who kept pushing me and challenging me lovingly you know, to, to, to blossom and to live more fully into who God has called and created me to be. Well, Joe, you kind of hinted at this uh, whole campus ministry and, and sort of your journey uh, of discovery too. And so I'm kind of curious, as you thought about reflected, how has spirituality or faith been a part of your um, process and been a part of who you've uh, been called to be? I love that language that you're using. Yeah, it's, it's definitely um like an essential part of, of who i am an essential part of my story i grew up going to church pretty frequently i jokingly say we went to church like 15 times a week like yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I grew i grew up in a, in a black pentecostal church and so my my mother is a missionary my my dad is, is a deacon and so i was always going you know monday through through sunday like we had something going on I would be reading Easter speeches and, and doing Christmas plays. And so um, that was a huge part of my life. And then, but what was cool about it is that even though that was very central part of my life, I was also going to other churches with some of my friends. Like I went to Presbyterian churches and Baptist churches and eventually like Lutheran churches with my friends too. So I saw God um, and, and, and ways that people worshiped in, in a multitude of expressions. So I was always really affirming of that. And it was, wasn't until I went to college that I really started to deepen my connection with Lutheran tradition in particular, because I had a, a campus minister who, was, who just happened to be the campus pastor of the school I went to at Montana State University, and um, just like really fell in love with the way they led uh, that community. Every spring break, we would go on a, a missions trip, but it wasn't this sort of like, kind of exploitative, extractive, tokenizing mission trip, right? It was where we went and we just like dug deep into the community and built relationships where like, for instance, um, after Hurricane Katrina hit, we actually went down to Katrina. Um, we went down to the fifth ward in Orleans and, or no, it was the ninth ward, sorry. We went down to the ninth ward in Orleans and we just, just stayed there and got to know people and help clean up. And, and then there was one time we went uh, once and instead of, you know, every spring break, we went somewhere different. One time we went to, um, Denver and we went to Denver urban ministries and I, I, I met Nadia Bowles Weber. I didn't even know who she was at the time, but I met her for the first time. I was like, who is she seems she's got all these tats and like, she's just really, really bringing it, bringing it, bringing it home with the, with her theology. And so we, we worked with her and her church. We worked with folks experiencing homelessness 
folks in the addiction community who are recovering, recovering community. And like I had all these experiences as part of Lutheran campus ministries that really showed me what was possible when they say we're going to be the hands and feet of Christ. I was like, wow, this is really how you do it. And so now I, I uh, endearingly say that I'm a Luther Costal. Yeah. Yes. You know, I still got the Pentecostal roots where we where I grew up with the Hammond B3 organ and the tambourine and like the exuberant praise and worship. Like that's that's in me. That's never gonna leave. And I really love the way that that accompaniment and that grace, that theology of grace and being the hands and feet of Christ that I've encountered in the Lutheran church. And so I, I bring both with me in, in my spiritual practice. Definitely. <sighs> That's really Thank cool. you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, um, I'm wondering, we read the words and we just fell in love with God is within us. Would you speak that for us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it's just one of my favorite pieces to share. Um, I just I wrote this just exploring um, just this this imminence and transcendence of God, how God is within us and all around us and just the mysterious ways that, that the spirit of God moves. Um, I don't fully understand it but I experience it and I'm grateful for it. And so that's what this piece is about. It goes like this. God is within us. The source for light and life and love, the creator of the universe, the one word to one verse, to one chapter to birth, heaven and earth before and after the first breath to stretch across the dark abyss, to impart a kiss pressed against the empty lips of existence. God is within mm. us. Beyond the lips, beyond the script, beyond description of words or worlds, an awestruck wonder under every involuntary movement of heart or blood or lungs or every secret change whispered down the infinite ear of mystery. God is with in us. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. That was Lovely. beautiful. Oh my gosh. It's like music to my ears. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> I've been uh I've been thinking, how does he do it? You know, you know, as a as a musician, we are taught to sight read music and to communicate it, you know, as it's written in the moment. And when you read the Mary Oliver piece, I don't know if you practiced it before, but I'm just curious. What's that? So I read it a couple of times prior, but I didn't didn't like yeah rehearse yeah. it. Yeah, and how do you how do you do it? How do you <laughs> how do you look at a piece of poetry and know what? what to say and how to say it. And, you know, I think poetry can be kind of elusive to, uh, I think, a large portion of the population because we we don't experience it all that often. Mm -hmm. And hearing someone like you, just incredibly talented in in communicating the sense of poetry in an accessible way, um, what would you say to someone, like any of us, How, how how do you read poetry to get the most out of it? Because, you know, looking at Mary Oliver's poetry, even the format suggests a way. You know, there's beauty even in the format of how it's written. 
Yeah, I love that question. Like, thank you so much for asking that. Because something I care a great deal about is um, opening up poetry to be more accessible for people and, and making it uh, demystified, right? Because I think we really do have a lot of disconnect and distance from poetry. I even experienced some of that early on in school. Like, some poetry can just seem really dry and really boring depending on how it's presented, right? And that's yeah. that oftentimes it are our people's first experiences with poetry is in that tone, in that, in that way, right? But thankfully I also encountered um, poets and poetry that was really enlivening. And I saw myself reflect, like some of the first poetry that I encountered was Langston Hughes when I was a little kid. And I have this book called Pass It On Poems for African-American Children. I remember flipping through the pages and had these these just gorgeously illustrated images where I saw like myself reflected. I saw people who look like my mom and my dad and my sister and me. I read the words of Maya Angelou and Nikki Giovanni and, and Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And so um, I, I found poetry that resonated with me. That, and, and that goes back to what I said about um, how art can make us feel less alone and more alive. And I feel that once we are able to tap into that in the words, tap into that, in whatever we're hearing or whatever we're reading, that's when it really comes alive, right? Um, and so, you know, for instance, even Shakespeare, right? Shakespeare can be really boring or Shakespeare can be really exciting. It depends yeah. on how you connect with it, right? Mm -hmm. When you're able to find that, that raw, relatable humanness and unearth that in whatever piece. And so my invitation for people is to, to ask questions of whatever you're engaging with and to listen long enough until you hear the humanity that, that's there, until you hear yeah. that spark that you can connect with. You know, I kind of hear some kind of, some connected themes in this poem that you just uh, did for us in the God is within us from a lot of the Mary Oliver poetry we read about. I mean, so much of her, Poetry is about creation and finding God in, in creation and within us. You know, like, mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's kind of a theme that she keeps coming back to, too. Um, I, I don't know if my question is more process or just inspiration, you know, but like, so how, how do you approach, you know, how does uh, that you go from an idea in your mind to words on paper or like typed out to like, you know, being able to share them like you share here with us today. Yeah, it's it's different depending on the poem. Yeah. Sometimes the inspiration just hits and it's like sure. capturing lightning in a bottle. And I gotta I gotta try to try to gather it and like receive yeah. what I, I oftentimes feel like God is just speaking to me through yeah. through poetry, through the music, right? And I, and I gotta try to be present to receive that. And then other times it's it's a really con contemplative meditative process where I'm really just listening. I just sit down with, you know, sometimes I type on my computer or write on my phone. Other times there's something really intimate and special about just writing handwriting. Mm -hmm. But I just really sit there. I quietly listen and I reflect. It can be a, a longer process. Kind of just depends. Both both happen pretty regularly. But I always have time set aside each day where I'm writing. Because um, that, that for me is like a spiritual practice, really. Um, writing is a way that I uh, have a deeper understanding of of the world and who I am and how I'm connected with God, connected with other people, and so yeah, it, it happens. It happens different ways, but um, it's just for for me, it's really about listening and, and about my attentiveness. How how am I paying attention to you know what I feel the Spirit is speaking to me 
and how am I being responsive to the relationships that I that I have with you know those who are in my life and with my community. I always want to speak to um, my community. I always want to speak about my experience of the divine, my experience with God. Yeah, there's this piece called Truth Seeker that I've been talking a lot about, like digging deep and like committing to practices. And, and I think this piece kind of speaks to that. So I, I could share that. It's a really short one. Sure. I'm a truth seeker because I know the truth deeper than what you see first on the surface. I'm a truth seeker because I know the truth deeper than a Google or Wikipedia search. I'm a truth seeker because I know the truth deeper than what the media is spoon feeding us by force. You got to dig deep into the root, dig deep into the fruit, to the sweet juice to seep deep into you till you need any proof what you seek is seeking you, what you seek is seeking you till you need any proof what you seek is seeking you. Truth seeker. That piece right there. Yeah, it's a real short piece. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Now I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see it as you read it. There's oh, just, oh, I love yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the visual way poems are written, like you, you noted about Mary Oliver, right? There's an art form and an intentionality around that as well. So, and have you published these in a book, in a collection at all? Not yet. And so I always, I oftentimes get that, get that request. Say, hey, we want to get a book. We want to want to see it. And so I haven't done that yet. My, my intention, I've been kind of collecting some of my stuff and, and organizing it and gathering it. So that's kind of the next move is for me to publish a book because I'm such a part of the oral tradition mm -hmm. of, of like, you know, sharing it as spoken word. But um, I, I do see, see the beauty and, and the value in like having it in a book and sharing that with others too. So I need to get to it. Every time I hear that, I'm like, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I need to just make it happen. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, don't forget your friends at Elk River Lutheran when it comes out. We'll be we'll be looking for it. Yeah. I'll give you a signed copy. I got you. Just remind yeah. me. Yes. All right. If if we, you know, choose to show up as our authentic selves, we choose to show up and be present and say, hey, I'm gonna give my best, and my my best today might look different than it did yesterday. Because uh, we all know we've been going through it <laughs> like this last yeah. this past year, and so. But if we're still saying, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my best. My best is gonna look different each day, right?" But I, that's still what I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna be present, to be authentic, to be in integrity, to um, just offer what what God has called me to offer to the world. I think the moment we make that decision, I think something powerful happens. Um, yeah. I always like to say, like, we will do our best, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest, <laughs> right? <laughs> Because um, sometimes we, we get overwhelmed looking mm -hmm. at the, the grandiosity, uh, how big some of the problems of the world can mm -hmm. be, right? Especially when we look at historic problems and systemic problems. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, if we really just look right here, right now, and just bloom where we're planted, right? And realize that we have power. One of my favorite quotes I've been coming back to lately is by Alice Walker. Um, she says that the the most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I like to say like, we're, we're not all powerful, but we are all powerful. Mm -hmm. like, meaning that like, we, we don't have the power that the Holy Spirit does, that God does, right? But we each do have a power to show up, right? We're, 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 not, we're not called to save the world. Like that's God's, God's gonna do that. God is gonna save the world. But we are called to show up as our authentic, 
unapologetic selves in a way that, that that's loving and that's compassionate, doing what we can, where we can. And so that's really what showing up means to me. It's, it's, it's like looking at what, what power do we have? What can, what can we change? What can we say? What can we do? We have family members that we can have conversations with. We have, you know, whatever places that we work at, we have influence. We have money and resources. How are we sharing, sharing those things in a way that's equitable and that's just, and that's compassionate, right? That's what showing up means to me is, is really like coming from this abundance mindset and saying, God has blessed us with so many good gifts. How can we share these good gifts with, with the world, with those that we're, we're in community with? I wrote this piece, as I said, um, just as a reminder, like I know I need this reminder for, my, for myself just as much as you know, anyone else may need it. And so um, I'm grateful that it can kind of serve as that to bring people back down to a place of grounding and centering and connectedness to say, hey, this is, this is important to be right here right now to show up. So it goes like this. We've each been called to this place, this time and this season. You may not yet know the rhyme or the reason. You may not feel, think, or believe in the same things I believe in. We've been asked to show up. Show up wherever you are from. You can come here to be free. Bring your full selves, both your head and your heart, your hands and your feet, and anything and everything infinitely beyond any duality, your sexuality, gender, race, age, or ability, we all have the ability to be. Without you, I am incomplete. Without you, there is no we. I need you not just to survive, but to thrive, become fully awake and alive with potential and possibility. Join me at the table for it is wide and there's lots of food to eat. So show up and be fed and feed others, satiating a different kind of hunger, fueling the fire in our bellies. No matter what journey you're on, where you've been or what you've done, all will be well when we're all welcome. So laugh, cry, dance, write, breathe, and bleed into the margins and follow the call to the false reaches of who we are. Whether you run, walk, crawl, even if you fall, we fall in love. But just show up, show up to answer God's call to justice, to transform both the soul and the bodily world the soul inhabits. Show up with all your awkwardness and bad habits. <laughs> show up with your doubts and your questions. And when here, you can ask them. Show up with your wounds and your scars. We all have baggage. But know that together, we can unpack it. This is no mistake. You're not here by accident. You are here to share the stories of your sacred passage. You are the only you that ever has been. You are not the magician. You are the magic. So show up to this place here where there is no grace period. There's only grace, period. Bring your fears and insecurities. Let us marvel in the mystery. Let us listen to each other to life with a deep holy listening. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? That is the sound of the genuine within you. The spirit is stirring near you, but if you don't show up, how can anyone hear you? Show up. Even if you don't know for certain, you may have the truth and healing for which this world is searching. In this grand universe, we are but small workers with a big purpose because of our hearts widening the circle, hearts that are broken, 
hearts that are open so a little light can shine through, a little hope for the hopeless. Wherever you go, simply know the spirit of this place goes with you. So go. Ready with sleeves rolled up, always growing, never fully grown up. Ready with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Simply show up. Thank y'all for showing up today. <laughs> wow. Thank you. I love it. I feel like we need an amen after that one. Yeah. yeah. Thank you amen for that. Indeed. <sighs> you know, yeah. We just can't thank you enough for being with us here this morning and sharing your poetry and your, and your bearing your soul. You know, I think, you know, the vulnerability you spoke about earlier, I mean, um, yeah, your your it's your words are a window into into your soul and a, in a glimpse of how you see the world around you, and it is beautiful. I mean, we are blessed for uh, for for hearing it and experiencing it. So thank you, Joe. You know, I'm just curious where if if people want to find more of your work and follow you, uh, like on social and stuff. Like, where where can people find more Joe Davis? Yeah, yeah. If they want to connect, uh, JoeDavisPoetry.com have a lot of uh, videos and, and poems and ways to connect there. And then if you just type in Joe Davis poetry on any social media, if you go to sure. Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or YouTube, just type in Joe Davis poetry, you'll find my page. Good. Well, if you see an influx of followers from Elk River, Minnesota, uh, in a few days, you'll know why, uh, because uh, we're, we're just so blessed to have you here with us. And we'll look forward to the day when you can maybe be out here in person and absolutely. Uh, we can get a little more. We'd sure love that. So Absolutely. I would, I would love to join y'all in person, hopefully here. Well, we'll see. When, when outside opens back up, we'll, we'll make it happen. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Joe. We, we've just been blessed by you. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money. Don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.